Welcome back, folks, to the Mel Wright Show. It's episode 267. Um, we've got a great guest joining us. We've got Shane Harper of Sean, King. Sean. Sean, Sean, Sean Harper. Sean. Sean. Sorry. Yes. Three, two, one. Welcome back um, to the Mel Wright Show. This is episode 257. We've got Sean Harper with us from King. Um so, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers, Sean? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Sean. I run Kin, which is a uh, tech company that does insurance. And uh, I've been doing this sort of thing for a long time. I've been running Kin for four years. Wow. But for almost my whole career, I've been doing this building a financial services company. And my last one was a payments company. This one is an insurance company. And... Uh, you know, what, what we found is that at the center of every bank or trading firm or insurance company or whatever, it's, it's actually all software, right? Mm-hmm. It's all done on a computer. It all could be. And so this is our pattern. Like we basically take, take a financial product and we build a new bank or insurance company or whatever from scratch entirely, which is really fun. Uh, and, and, you know, mo- most banks or insurance companies have been around for like 100 years and, and they don't have good technology. And so that's what makes it exciting is you can sort of like just do it much better. Uh, you know, like kind of because we're smart, but also because we have the benefit of a blank sheet of paper. So, so that's what I'm up to at Kin. You know, we we're, we insure uh, homes in places that are exposed to catastrophes. Yeah, that's great. I thought we have Shane on on the show on the show, blah, 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 um, because of his techno basically because of his technology background. When you when you read his CV, it's extremely impressive. And I thought we'd learn a bit about his company, the some of the struggles he's had with it, but also talk about how he sees the um um the technology companies in maybe the um real estate industry. I'm sure he has his hands uh on what's going on. And I've got my great co-host, Robert. Robert, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Certainly. For those of you that could not see, I flashed you a peace sign because we need a little bit of peace and zen in the world today. But anyway, my name is Robert Newman. I'm the founder of Inbound Real Estate Marketing, which is just what it sounds like. It's the only company inside of real estate that's focused on inbound marketing. Um, you can find out more about me at inboundrem.com. I'm very excited to be meeting with Sean. I actually knew who he was long before he booked. been very disappointed that uh, in these near misses that we've had, it's taken us a while to get him on the show. Can't wait to talk uh, and, and hear what his insights are into technology as it relates to his personal space right now with Ken and maybe some insight that he might have on real estate uh, yeah. and technology. Right. Um, so and I'm, I'm the founder of MailRiot. We get you leads through the power of Facebook and a integrated platform that follows through with the lead and has a number of other elements. And it really works and it's great. So go to the MailRiot website and learn some more about it. Before we go into the main part of the interview, I just want to say to the new listeners and viewers, thank you so much for joining us. Last month was our biggest numbers ever for the show. Um, it's over the past seven months, the numbers have doubled. Um, obviously, you're telling your friends about the Mel Wright Show. And I think me and Robert and our guests have been offering some great value to you. Um, so, Sean, um, so why, what made you decide to start Keen and what does it do that the other insurance, there's a lot of insurance companies 
in this space of home insurance and you've got the big car insurance companies entering as well. How did you think, why did you choose to go into this competitive sector and how did you feel that you could offer something that they don't? Yeah, so what Kin does is a little bit more specialized in that we insure homes that are exposed to extreme weather. And so our customers are in, a lot of our customers are in Florida where hurricanes hit, uh, you know, the sort of Gulf states where there have been yeah. where hurricanes hit uh, the United States. And fires, fires as well? We do fires. Uh, California is a, a state that we entered recently because of the wildfire exposure there. And uh, So just to, just to get a clear picture, you might be dealing with people that I can't, finding it almost impossible to get insurance or finding it very hard from a very generalistic provider. That's exactly right. So actually, if you look at the top market share uh, homeowners and insurance companies, all states, state farm, et cetera, in Florida, for example, they used to be around 80% of the market share. Now they're actually, this was in 2005. Now they're less than 25%. And so what's happened is these big homeowners insurance companies, the ones that you know of that have television commercials and everything, they, when, when things get volatile and things get a little bit uh, riskier, they're, they're, they're out. <laughs> they leave. That's right. They just leave. Uh, they, they, they run, don't leave. They run, don't they? <laughs> they absolutely do. They're running from California as fast as they can right now. Because, you know, the, the, or, you know, I think in the 2005, 2006, people realized like hurricanes are coming more often and stronger than they have before. So I'm going to ask you the obvious question. Why, what, you know, you've got these people running, but you're trying to enter that. So, A, how can you, you know, is it, is it that you just offer really expensive insurance because these people just can't get insurance? Or if that's not the case... How do you make a profit? Because they're not idiots. These other, you know, they might be lazy, and they might be so large that they just can't be bothered with it. Um, but how do you, you know, if you're not off offering very expensive insurance, how do you make any money out of it? Yeah. So ours, ours does tend to be more expensive uh, than in places that are not catastrophe exposed. Right. It's like the average cost to insure a normal home in Florida is like almost two and a half x what it is here in Illinois where I live. Uh, so it, on average, it just is more expensive to get insurance in these places. But what we do that allows us to write business profitably there is we pull in a lot more data about the homes and not all of these homes are equal. And so if you look at the way that these legacy insurance companies do things, they make a lot of assumptions around the home yeah. and they rely a lot on the user to, to tell them about it, right? And so, so if the way that I'll use an example... Uh, a lot of legacy insurance companies, their level of geographic resolution is a zip code. Yeah. Well, zip codes are really big. <laughs> the fire risk at one end of the zip code can be yeah. totally different than at the other end of the zip code. That's just one example. You know, another example. Well, I, I'm totally following what you're saying because actually I've got a friend that um, she's a friend and also she works for me occasionally. And she lives in Florida and she was brought up in Florida and she has no intention of moving from Florida. And that her and her partner have just bought a new house and they're making sure it, she's got this generator and it's uh, it's it's been built up um, higher than normal and she's got these shutters that can close. So she's she's investing a lot of money in this new house to make it resistant to hurricanes. 
So I suppose your company, because um, you ask a lot more questions, you have access to data, so you, you can take in, is the homeowner invested a lot in making it more resistant to exposure, basically. Am I correct? That's exactly right. The one caveat there is we do not ask more questions. I think mm-hmm. asking people questions about their home is a really bad way to get reliable data. Because right. people don't know, and they also, well, they... They answer selectively. Yeah, exactly. Like, is your roof? We would never exaggerate about our abilities, would we? That's right. No, my roof is in great shape. It's brand new. No, it's not. Like, I can see, you know, there's shingles missing, right? Um, So, but when we pull in a lot of objective third party data sources, we use aerial and satellite imagery. We train the machine learning algorithm to actually analyze the state of the home. And it can make a big difference. Like, the way the home is constructed has a huge impact on its resilience to wind, uh, flooding, et cetera. Also, the microgeography of where the home is has a huge difference. Like my risk on this side of the block could actually be really different than the fellow living, you know, a 12th of a mile away, you know, one, one block away, you know, his, maybe, maybe I'm six feet taller, six feet higher, uh, makes a really big difference. Uh, so we just pull in all of this data and it allows us to make better, more granular pricing decisions. Um, So that's a big part of what we do. Another big part of what we do is that we've actually pulled a lot of costs out of the system. And so if you look at most areas of financial services, they've all gotten cheaper, right? How how much does it cost to trade a stock now versus 30 years ago? It's free. How much does it cost? You know, it used to cost you like 30, 40 bucks to make make a trade a single share of stock. Uh, how much does it cost to do a cross-border remittance? It's like three bucks now. It used to be 30. All of these things have gone down in price because, of course, computers, right? Um, what's happening in property insurance is actually the percentage of the policy premiums that are, that, that are wasted, basically, that, that don't go to paying claims. They go to the overhead of the insurance company. It stayed constant at 35% for 50 years. That's crazy, right? Well, everything's getting cheaper except this. Well, it's crazy crazier, for them, though, is it? Well, what's even crazier is the average price, the average premium has gone up more than 3x during that time period. So actually, the insurance companies are being so wasteful, they're spending three times as much money on overhead per policy than they did 50 years ago, right? And so we can do it a lot cheaper. And so that's, that's one thing that you can do, especially on these bigger policies, the fact that we're a much lower cost, much lower like actual cost to manufacture these policies, we can pass a lot of that cost onto the user. So there's two things going on. One, we're reducing the average cost because we're removing overhead by automating and, and using technology. And the second thing is we're actually being more granular on our pricing. You know, we're pricing the risk more accurately depending on the actual traits of the home, the actual traits of their geography, because we're pulling in vastly more data. We're underwriting and pricing on thousands of variables that are all like objective third-party data that you can trust Mm -hmm. versus our competitors are underwriting on 40 variables. And the way they're getting that is by asking the user and or an insurance agent, both of which are not objective and not reliable sources of data. I'm totally following it. It's fantastic. And it's really interesting for our listeners and viewers. Over to you, Robert. So this is not your first go. So so I'm with John. I think this is fascinating. And what you're describing is you're just basically st- describing a new uh, a new metric leveraging technology 
in order to do an old business, which by the way, this is the same thing that, that Elon Musk did with PayPal. You know, sending money from one place to another is not new. The way that he decided to send that money from one place to another is new. And that's what he revolutionized with PayPal. And that's kind of what I hear you describing. You're taking an old process and applying new technology and you're improving the efficiencies. But if I remember correctly, this is not the first time that you've done something like this. Is that correct? That's correct. I mean, this is definitely the largest scale that I've done. Um, you know, but the uh, this is my fourth business that I've started. Okay. And, and many, you know, most of them have been in sort of changing old industries. My last business before this was a payment processing business. So actually very similar to PayPal. It was, similar, it was very similar to Stripe, which is sort of the next version of PayPal. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the business before that was, uh, was a rental car company, you know, uh, also changing an, an old uh, business. And then before that was, a, was an e-commerce company. It was my first one. Wow. It gets well, easier as you go. You're able to take bigger swings, I think. Yeah, my, my first company was washing windows. So you're a little ahead of me, man. I didn't do, uh, I, I, wasn't, uh, I wasn't technology savvy. But then again, this is so long ago that there were really no, no computers as we know them. The internet was not what it is right now. Um, but having said that, so you've done these four businesses. Your kin has 300 people, if I remember, somewhere towards the start of the interview. You kind of said, hey. Well, it's eight above 200, yeah. Okay, so you've got 200 employees working for you right now as we speak. Is that correct? What would you say, so you're, you're an old hand at doing this, but I've, I've owned seven businesses, not as big as yours, but still, and I've run other businesses that are actually pretty big. And here's what I've noticed. It's like going to war. You walk into something with a plan. You've got your business plan. You've got everything mapped out in your head. You're like, okay, this is an opportunity. I want to exploit the opportunity. But every single time you get into it, something happens if there's a variable that you missed or something that you thought was going to work one way, but it didn't work that way that you thought that it was going to work. What's been the biggest, I don't know, uh, thing that has gone differently from plan to actual inception with Kent? There have been two really big ones. Um, the first is when we got into this, we saw it as more of a general homeowner's insurance thing. And, and our model works everywhere. But the more we got into it, we, real, we realized that these customers that live in these more catastrophe-exposed areas, and it's, it's a lot. Like, actually, if you superimpose the areas that have catastrophe risk on the population of the United States, they're very highly correlated, right? Because people are moving to Florida. They're moving to Texas. They're moving to North Carolina. They're moving away from places like Illinois, even though we have safe weather. We have crappy weather, which is maybe why people don't want to live here. Uh, you know, Florida's great right now. It's sunny. Um, and, and, and it's really hard. Like their pain around this is, you know, it's hard to get people to think about insurance here in Illinois. You go to California right now, everybody is talking about their insurance. It's so hard to get and the prices are going up so much. And you really think about it because you see smoke coming in over the hills. And you're like, oh crap, that could be me next. I got to really make sure my insurance is good. And so of the $100 billion, uh, it, that's the market size for homeowners insurance in the U.S., about $40 billion of that is catastrophe exposed. And those users really need our tech. And so we, we focused on that. We didn't realize we were going to. We just sort of learned. We were out there talking to users. And we found the users that really care about this, really needed something where these catastrophe exposed guys. Mm -hmm. Like that was one uh, really big change. And then the other one was 
we thought that we could sort of do this as like a virtual insurance company. You know, sort of the same way that PayPal isn't a bank. Right. This other sort of thing. We thought we could sort of rent the insurance infrastructure from another company. And we did that for a while. But what we realized was it didn't allow us to solve enough of the consumer problem. And we ultimately needed to raise money to become an insurance company ourselves and have our own credit rating, have our own relationship with the regulators. You'll really give us full control. Uh, which is not so, like I never expected I'd be the CEO of an insurance company in this regulated industry with all this red tape and stuff like that. But you know, we we did that. And it was good that we did because it's really important, you know, that we have that sort of freedom to do things our way, not not the way that a legacy yeah. insurance company does it. So well, I think uh, we need to go. I'm sorry to interrupt. We need yeah. to go for our break. We'll be back in a few moments and we'll be continue. I've, I've really enjoyed the interview so far anyway. It's, I think we, this is going to be a really good um, learning for our listeners and viewers. We'll be back in a few moments. You want quality leads from homeowners and buyers right in your own neighborhood? Then you need MailRite. It is a powerful but easy-to-use online marketing system that uses Facebook to generate real estate leads at a fraction of the cost you'd pay from our competition. We stand behind our work with a no-question-asked 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Get started today. Go to mail-right.com. We're coming back. Had a good discussion. Um, Back over to you, Robert. Um, there you go, Sean. Uh, you, you do microphone. So I had a follow-up question based on what you just said, and thank you very much for the answers that you gave, but it did raise a fascinating question. So you didn't expect to be an insurance company. Uh, I know a lot of people out there that haven't owned as many businesses or worked for as many businesses as I have. So let me just tell you for those that are listening, like not thinking you're going to be an insurance company and discovering that you have to be, that's a huge difference, (laughs) right? That's a massive difference. It's a very regulated industry. So when you discovered that change, because you pointed out that there were some pain points that you couldn't address, can you give me an example, Sean, of what one of these pain points was that was so dramatic that you literally decided you were going to basically increase your own personal effort by at least a hundred percent because now you got to raise money you got to get your float you got to do all these things to get accredited as an insurance company that's an incredible amount of work right there plus you're on the hook to whoever you raise the capital from whether that be venture capitalists or private investors it doesn't really matter you now have to answer to somebody which as an entrepreneur I would personally fucking hate excuse the cursing so like what was those pain points that were so important for you to address yeah the it was really two things um and the first was just generally speed of decision making was really we were really hamstrung because we make decisions fast you know we're we're a tech company we can make new things we do make new things every day and we have really clean data so we're looking at oh the users did this. It's not working. We're going to ship X. We're, you know, we're going to make this change in our insurance policy. We're going to make this change in the language. We're going to make this change in our underwriting criteria. And what we were finding is like we were coming up with these things. So it made a lot of sense, right? It was like, okay, we're looking at the data. This is very obviously the thing we should do. Mm-hmm. But if you're renting the infrastructure of, an insur- of another insurance company, well, now you got to go convince them. And they don't, they don't view things the same way we do. They, their questions are, well, 
we've always done it this way. Why would you do it differently? <laughs> and you, and like, you can convince them, but it's just like, it's so hard. And it's so time consuming. It was slowing us down. You know, stuff that should have taken us days was starting to take us months. And we're like, listen, this is never, we're never going to be able to like, work. yeah, it's just, it's not going to work. Um, I mean, it was, it was good to get started, right? We were able to do like sort of a proof of concept and we got a lot of customers and, and it, it was a good start, sure. but we just, you know, we kept running into it we kept saying, Oh, the, the next insurance partner is going to be different, you know, and they all want to be right. Cause no one's like, I'm not innovative. I'm stuck in the mud. Like, no, they all say that they're innovative. <laughs> like, yeah, we're really fast moving, really smart. Um, but then they, they, they just can't get out of their own way. Um, so that was a big reason. And then one thing that's sort of a subset of that was when we were a virtual insurance company, we weren't in charge of doing our own claims. And that's such okay. a huge part of it, right? Because like right. if you're giving people this like super modern, super sleek, super efficient experience when they're buying the product, when they're you know logging in to make changes to it or, or whatever, and then they have a claim and you're like, yeah, we'll be out to your house in a week. We're going to send Joe in his truck. And it's like, that's not what they expect, right? Or they call up and they're like, what's the status of my claim? They're like, I don't know. Let me get back to you on that. That's not what they expect, right? You can, you can track the status of a pizza delivery online. You should be able to check, track the status of an insurance claim for your most important asset for most people online. And so we really wanted to own that whole sort of claims experience. And you really can't do that unless you are your own insurance company. And it is like an epic amount of brain damage to become an insurance company. So we did not take that lightly. It's a, it was really hard. I mean, it took us a year and like 30 million bucks to do it. It was not easy. Yeah, no, I, I knew in advance. I will tell you this though, Sean, whether you intended to or not with this conversation, you may have acquired yourself a new customer because it, all the things that you're singing to a tech guy are like the sweet sounds, like the amount of bullshit that I've gone through being a car owner with insurance in California. Like so I've, I've been hit twice. When part, do you know how much work that takes out of my day when some chick texting, I mean, it just, it's not, it's not, I'm not discriminating. It just so happens that in both cases, it was a woman. And in one of the two cases, she admitted she was texting. So I've got a little bit of anger about that. But anyway, she's texting, she hits my car. You know what I end up having to do? Months worth of work. They lose my check. This is true stories. So you're singing to the to the choir. If you fix that, if you're like, oh, you can track something online. Holy shit, I'm, I'm your next customer, whether you intended it or not. Like, but... Um, that's brilliant stuff, John. I'm going to turn it over to you, bud. But uh, I have I have a, I have a request for both Sean and John. I would love to hear your thoughts. We we do a little bit of extra time at the end of the show, ten minutes max, or sometimes like something like that. And we we put it on our video channel. And I'd love to hear how like pick out a pain point inside the more traditional real estate business and and hear a thought, just an idea about. How you think technology could be? It's very, it's area. very, uh, it's uncanny that me and uh, Robert, we had the same thought almost the same time now because you've been helping me with this show for over a year plus now. Um, so, we, like I say, Sean, um, but what I was actually going to, um, actually, in this bit of the show and in our bonus content, um, I don't know if you got, you know, you probably don't have time because you, you know, you. Um, but I like to 
put this to you. In in the real estate industry, we've got Zillow and we, we've had a few. The MailRite product is basically sending texts and follow through and it gets leads by using the Facebook platform. And there's a few bits and I think MailRite now has decent market fit. Um, and I think you've described that is that you've had to kind of move your business so you actually get market fit. You know, you you actually, and it's been the same process on a lower scale with MailRite. But um, in in the lead generation side of digital marketing, there's a lot of companies talk about artificial intelligence, big data. They bounce these terms. But when I actually look at the company, it's either using Google AdWords or Facebook with a CRM. Uh, um, that's it. But there just seems to be a lot of people bouncing these terms around. Would A, would you agree with that? And B, can you give some insight why, why, why it is necessary to use artificial intelligence and big data in an effective way? I know there are two. The second question is there. A very large question, so um, but maybe you can give some insights. Yeah, I mean, like machine learning is a really overused term because it sounds cool. Yeah. So if you have any any way to position what you're doing as machine learning, you know, you used to say AI, now you say machine learning. Uh, you, people try to say that because it gets attention. <laughs> uh, you know, what we found in our business is there are still some things that are. Uh, good to have a human do. Uh, but there are lots of, and, and, you know, an example of that would be like, actually, we don't do like chatbots. We, we found that um, for customer service, having a human do it actually really helped. Like our yeah. customers felt better about it. They gave us better reviews. We sold more. Um, you know, humans, humans are good at explaining things and language and empathy and all the stuff that you need to sell. Uh, we found a big use for machine uh, learning in, you know, we're really underwriting like every property in the whole state uh, before we even market to them. And and that way we sort of know what customers we want and what customers we don't, um, what customers will be a good match for. And you can't do that. Or if you're talking about millions of properties with, you know, tens of thousands of data points per, you can't have a human do that. Um, you sort of need machine learning for it. The other area that we've done a lot with it um, is image recognition. So in insurance, a lot of the time, there are these documents that need to be like uh, parsed and read. Um, and then there's also a lot of data in images. So if you think about, you know, I need to know uh, how expensive it's going to be to rebuild your home if it burns to the ground. Where can I get data on that? Well, one really good source of data. And in order to know that, I need to know like how how good are your kitchen cabinets and like what kind of uh, bathroom fixtures do you have and stuff like that. So you can get a lot of that data out of the images that are coming off of the real estate industry. And so actually by pulling that data in and sending it through an image recognition algorithm, you can start to make conclusions, same way a human would. Oh, this house is of superior build or this house has a roof that has like a really complicated shape. So that's going to be more expensive to build or the foundation of this house, you know, has 12 corners versus six. And so that's going to be more expensive to build. Um, so those are two areas that we, we 
are very actively investing in machine learning and it makes a giant difference because a human just can't at our scale, you can't have humans doing that. I would need to have like hunt like thousands of people doing yeah. just you've explained it. So well, I'm only surmising this, but would I be correct because of all the data points that you've got? Can you actually predict reasonably? I don't know if you've done this as an intellectual exercise or I have no idea. But with all the data points that you're collecting, can you predict when somebody's actually thinking about moving? Yeah, we, we think that you can. I mean, there are a lot of vendors who supply data that you can buy signal like that. Um, you know, one thing that, that we found is uh, we don't need to predict when you're going to list your house for sale because of where we sort of sit in, in the yeah. value chain. I need to predict. But there's a lot of vendors reckon they can. And I, yeah. uh, if you told so your background, I would believe it when you, you told me. I am a little bit sceptic about a lot of these other vendors because I know the amount of data that and the amount of data points that you would need to get any kind of... Um, I think if you had access to their bank account, you could tell. <laughs> Which you can get, right? Like you can, you can do, uh, you know, an integration to one of these. I mean, you have to get the user to give you permission. But hey, John, uh, Sean, before we move past it, I'm going to give a gorilla, gorilla marketing rec right now to those of my, our listeners who are listening. And I happen to know for a fact that I've got at least one guy who's a top flyer in San Francisco listening to this show right now. And I'm talking to you, Mike, because this is your recommendation right here. When you start talking about a technology-forward city such as New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Sean, whether he intended to or not, just gave you a little something that you could throw into your listing presentation. And what I mean by this is that we're, we're having a conversation about machine learning and images, and we are talking about protecting the asset once it's been moved, either on the sell side or the buy side. So here's the, here's the thought. You're a real estate agent. You're doing this presentation. If you say inside of your presentation, I'm going to use X technology to produce a couple hundred digital photos, taking an image of every single element of this asset, not just for the MLS, but for the enduring value of the home, my personal feeling as a tech forward home resider. I don't own it, but but if I did, this is a selling point for me. I'd be like, oh, dude, you're going to take 200 pictures for me? Cool. You have a slight, maybe a 5 or 10% better chance to get the listing from me personally as a person that understands tech than an agent that's going to come out and say, oh yeah, we take 5 or 10 photos of the property and then we move on. Because if you take a picture of, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Sean, but if you had a, somebody, a home, let's say, because I heard you say you're scraping the MLS or the pictures that realtors are taking. So if you have a home that you have 200 photos and somebody's taking the time and the energy to photo every single element of the outside of the home, the garage, all the fixtures, the inside of the home, what the tile is, what the walls are painted with, the sills. If you have all that data, does it not make it easier for you to do for your machines and for you collectively, your humans and your machines to, to, to get an understanding of the risk associated with the home? For us, absolutely. More images is definitely better. Okay, come on. Um, we're going to wrap up the podcast part of the show. Hopefully, uh, Sean can stay on for another 10 minutes. We've got a couple more questions. Are you okay with that? 
Yeah, absolutely. Sounds All good. right. We can just wrap up the podcast show, Sean. What's the best way for people to learn more about you and your company? Best place to find us is at kin.com. It's K-I-N.com. It's kin, like family. Uh, who would you rather have insuring your home than your family? Uh, we've got a lot of really good content on our blog up there. And, uh, you know, we also have some really excellent insurance if you live in one of these areas where it's hard to get insurance. And amazing social media reviews, bud, because I've already seen them before you ever came on the show. So you've got amazing dialogue happening from your clients to them. And I suggest to everybody listening, check them out. That's great. Um, We'll be back next week with another great guest or internal discussion between me and Robert. We'll see you soon, folks. And remember... Um, we'll be having a, another 10 minutes of this interview and you'll be able to see the whole interview on the Mel Wright YouTube channel. We'll see you soon, folks. Bye.